I want to discuss a poem that you've probably heard a hundred times, maybe a thousand times. We just played it last hour. "Twas the night before Christmas. There is a beautiful book about the art and the history of this classic Christmas poem. And I'll tell you, if nothing else comes of this interview, this book is something that I will treasure always because not only is it chock full of interesting information, and I'm a naturally curious person, uh, but it's chock full of interesting information that I never would have been bright enough to inquire about. It's also so beautifully made, and it's no surprise to me that uh, it took its author 10 years to put it together because this is a uh, work of art. The book itself is a work of art, and it describes uh, the history of a poem, which is uh, equally, equally beautiful. Uh, very, very pleased to welcome the uh, writer of Twas the Night, the art and history of the classic Christmas poem, Pamela McCall. Pamela, Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining me on the radio. Merry Christmas to you, too. So, uh, Pamela, I think a lot of people know Twas the Night Before Christmas. Many people may find that they even have unconsciously memorized it. Uh, This year, I did not realize this, is maybe the 200th anniversary of this classic Christmas poem. Based, what, What do we know about the origins of this poem? Who wrote the poem and where did it initially appear? Well, we believe that it was written by Clement C. Moore of New York on Christmas Eve of 1822, and he wrote it for his children. And the story goes that he had the idea for the poem while he was out on a sleigh ride and was struck by the magic of the evening and dashed home and, you know, wrote it out and gave it to his children. So it's a very magical story. And there's some truth to that. There's certainly some documentation, and and Moore in his lifetime does claim it. So we, we do believe it's his. And where did it first appear in print? It appeared in the Troy Sentinel newspaper on December the 23rd, 1823. So there's two bicentennials that I'm celebrating. One is this Christmas Eve, which is the writing and the first reading. And then I'm working a whole year on this poem and the history. So the next bicentennial is next Christmas Eve. So that's um, going to be a great year for me all across America touring with my book. <laughs> oh, no, I can imagine. Was uh, was the poem a hit right away as soon as it was published? It was. It was reprinted immediately in all kinds of different newspapers and in almanacs. So, no, it, it caught on. It, it's a great poem and people recognized it immediately. <laughs> I, it certainly uh, it certainly is. And the thing that's incredible to me is as quickly as tastes change, in not only in America but all over the world, this is a, uh, a poem that has really become a holiday staple and stood the, the test of time. What do you attribute the popularity and the longevity of Twas the Night Before Christmas to? I believe it's because it's very kind and benevolent. There's no naughty or nice. There's no children, you know, being threatened with being punished you know, for behavior or, or denied. And I think it's also it's this wonderful sentiment of hope and excitement. And you know, we felt we celebrated day of the year so based on this poem. I mean, Christmas Eve is very much because of this poem before. Clement Seymour wrote the poem. Nobody in America was celebrating Christmas Eve with reindeer and, and Santa. You're kidding. So this no. this poem kind of gave birth to the holiday of Christmas Eve. Very much. Very much. Yes, definitely. There were certainly some references to reindeer and sleighs and, and St. Nicholas, but not, not in any way for Christmas Eve. It was more of a New Year's Eve and, and over the holidays, but it was not celebrated the way we do it. 
Now, I'm sure you, like everybody listening, had heard this poem hundreds or thousands of times over the course of your lifetime. What inspired you to want to write a book delving into the history and the uh, the impact of this particular poem? Of all the things well, I, to write about, why this poem? Well, I have a history background and an art background, and I just think it's a really important poem. I think it, it really speaks to the American dream of hope. Um, and promise. And I think that so much has been built upon this poem that it was worth celebrating and, and certainly worth writing about. And there's been, there, there is not a single biography on Clement Seymour. So I thought it was time that people, you know, understood who the poet was and more about his life and how he was a very important American. His father was the Bishop of the Diocese of New York, who gave the last rites to Alexander Hamilton. So a really interesting family and important for New York. I mean, he introduced opera to New York. He you know, his father was the president of Columbia, then King's College, and he's just a very important American. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking with uh, Pamela McCall. want to encourage you, especially if you're looking for a last-minute Christmas gift for someone uh, that you're visiting this weekend, check out this book. It's called Twas the Night, the Art and History of the Classic Christmas Poem. Uh, Pamela, what is the best way for people to uh, to get this book? Well, at this late stage, if you want it for a Christmas gift for a grandfather or a father, it would be Barnes & Noble. I have autographed copies around um, in New York and, and around the country. And, of course, the big Amazon.com or independent bookstores, it's everywhere. I just did an interview in Scotland, and it's available on the Amazon.uk. So it's um, available over the world, actually. Well, that is terrific. I didn't realize – I knew I'd heard this poem many times. I didn't realize until reading your book – that this poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas, is the most published and most often recited poem in the Library of English Literature? That's correct. It's not just Christmas literature, all literature, and that would include Shakespeare. So I think that's really fun. But, you know, Clement Seymour was a very educated man, and when you read the poem, you know, lines like a mouse, you know, not a mouse stirring, that's from Hamlet. You know, like it's fun to draw the the lines through literature coming through all the centuries into this poem. So it's based on a legend of St. Nicholas, of course, of the third century in the Roman Empire. But it's uh, a New York poem, and it's the most famous piece of literature in the English language. You're correct. It's very interesting. the The writing itself, the the writing of the poem itself. The what other inspirations other than Shakespeare might uh, Clement Moore have been relying upon? Washington Irving, Washington mm-hmm. Irving, who had St. Nicholas flying over the skies of Manhattan in Knickerbocker. 25 times he mentioned St. Nicholas, and he had him flying around in a wagon. So I think. Washington Irving had a big, big piece of this poem. Uh, he was very uh, interested in developing a, a holiday for families and for inventing traditions. <laughs> so I look to Washington Irving for inspiration on this one and Fenmore Cooper. There is uh, another poem uh, that appeared in the New York American, which uh, I think was a William Randolph Hearst paper back in the 1820s called Ode to St. Saint, uh, Saint Claus. It was written on New Year's Eve. Now, you don't necessarily think of Santa as being associated with New Year's Eve these days. Was he, back in the 1820s, someone that was associated with New Year's Eve? St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas would have been December the 6th, his death date they celebrated. And New Year's Eve was a big celebration, especially in New York. Uh, And they would have done... 
some gifts, some trinkets for children, some candies, but not to the level that we've taken it. And they would have celebrated St. Nicholas with cookies. They had St. Nicholas cookies, and they served those with sherry on, on New Year's Eve. So, you know, it, but not Santa Claus. Santa Claus comes, he's an American um, invention, and he comes in the 1820s. The um, One of the places that you see Twas the Night Before Christmas so often these days is on uh, Christmas cards. Christmas cards is something that we, uh, I think, kind of take for granted because it seems like they've been around forever. But where did the idea of Christmas cards actually come from? It came out of England, out of London, and uh, and then it transported to America. And it became very, very popular at the end of the 19th of the 19th century with Ellen Klopsaddle, an American who did extremely well. And, uh, you know, wonderful story about her. Um, she went to Germany to print her all of her beautiful postcards and ended up in the First World War. Of course, everything was blown up. And it's quite an interesting story, actually, about Ellen Klopsaddle. It could be another book. <laughs> oh, it sounds it. It sounds it. But, yeah. I played last hour um, a Yiddish uh, translation of Twas the Night Before Christmas, as far as you're aware, how many different languages has this poem been translated into? Well, I, I think most. I mean, I know that when I look at different um, countries, China's talked about this poem, India, you know, it's it's all over the world. And it's it started in America, it's an American poem, but it's loved the world over. And I think that um, Coca-Cola had a big piece of that because mm. they took him global. I mean, they really did. And some people think that he com- they commercialized Santa Claus, but actually they gave him an enormous PR campaign, in my opinion. <laughs> they took him all over the world. Sure, <laughs> so sure. I think that's an okay thing in that I think St. Santa Claus is a wonderful character. So I would think, I would hope, I should say, that Clement Moore coming up with the words to the most written and reproduced poem in history – I hope he made some money uh, for this. What uh, what did this poem actually do to Clement Moore's financial fortunes? Absolutely nothing, because he didn't take claim to it until 1837, so 15 years after it was first published. And he was a very scholarly man, and he didn't really want to be associated with a juvenile you know, piece of literature. But um, the only money he would have made possibly would have been in his book of poems written in 1844. He includes it in that, but that wasn't a big success. So I, I don't think the man needed the money, and I don't think that he would have earned any money. But he was a very generous man. And I think he would have been thrilled to know that this poem has given so much delight to so many children around the world for so many years. I, I really do. I think it's a great legacy, and I can't imagine uh, him not being thrilled with it. Was there anybody, maybe the newspaper where it was first published or someone else, that owned the rights to this poem, or was it pretty much ultimately considered in the public domain right away? No, well, somebody claims in a newspaper, they give the title, the um, authorship to somebody else, and, and Moore writes in in 1837 and says, no, no, it's mine. <laughs> Please put my name on that properly. Um, so he does take claim to it. So there was copyright law back in the 1820s. It's just a matter of, you know, when it was first published, it was published anonymously, and so there was a lot of publishers and editors who just took free, free reign with it. And, who was uh, the initial person that claimed uh, authorship of it? It was an, a, in a newspaper. They gave it to – they just named a, 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 a random individual who had nothing to do with the poem. They just made a mistake. I got you. And so, and so I... Clements – but it was Orville Hawley is the editor of the Troy Sentinel who first published it. And what he did was he wrote a wonderful preface to the poem, which followed the poem 
all through the decades, often they'd reprint Orville Holly's editorial with the poem, including during the Civil War. So really interesting. Absolutely. Um, so as of now, nobody owns the rights to it. I don't have to cut anyone a check for playing it earlier. No, it's definitely in the public domain now. It has been for years. Well, I think it's a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal book. Um, and the artwork in this book is just tremendous. Uh, tell folks about, I know you mentioned your own art background, but tell folks about the process that you went through of compiling all these images of Santa and all these uh, artistic works that, uh, that chronicle the, the history that you're writing about. Well, I went on tour. I went to Oklahoma to the biggest collection, a private collection in America of vintage editions of the poem. And then the William and Mary um, University, their library, the Swin Library, they were very gracious and gave me all kinds of images. The Thomas Nast collection, of course. And I really wanted to pull in other great artists. So I brought in Norman Rockwell and Andy Warhols in my book because he did Santa Claus and the Mist series in 1981. And I just wanted to represent the great legacy this poem has had in terms of the art world. And so you have not only the great illustrators such as Dorothy and Jesse Wilcox Smith, but I had, you know, Lion Decker and all the great artists who came to it. And it was hard to find an artist actually who didn't come to it. It was I sort of did the search one night and went, Well, you know, what about Maxwell Parrish? And sure enough, you know, wow. there he was doing a Santa Claus. You know, it's like it, it's really fun to sort of look at these artists and 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 find their interpretation of the character too. That's wonderful. Do you have a favorite oral recantation of this poem? A, a favorite person who has read it over the years that you really resonate with? Well, I have one that I find very humorous, and that would be King Charles, Prince Charles, King Charles, has one. Uh, you can watch it online, and it's it's wonderful because he gets all giggly and silly, and it's, it's like it's just really fun to watch the King of England reading the most famous poem, which is an American poem. I just think George Washington would have had a laugh at that. <laughs> I, I can imagine. I can I imagine. That's very right. funny. I know uh, I mentioned that uh, this took you about 10 years to write. What did you spend most of that 10 years doing? What sort of research? What sort of writing? What was the bulk of what you did over the course of the last decade? Well, because I afforded myself that much time, I was able to not only read the writings of all of these different people I've mentioned, such as Harriet Beecher Stowe and Washington Irving and Charles Dickens, but I got to know the people because I read about their lives and I read their letters and their journals and Clement C. Moore's diaries, and I, I, I really got to know them. And and that was the you know wonderful part of my work was just spending time with these amazing individuals, such as the relationship between Washington Irving and Charles Dickens and Sir Walter Scott and how they all influenced hmm. the development of Christmas, but who they were you know and uh, that that was by far the most fun that was the best part. That's uh, terrific. And if um, if people again I can't encourage them enough to uh, check out the book. It's called Twas the Night: The Art and History of the Classic Christmas Poem by Pamela McCall, uh, a really, uh, really just a, a gem. I want to thank you for uh, for sending this to me. And, uh, you know, I can't I, I can't wait to read whatever you end up writing next. Did Clement Moore ha- does Clement Moore have living descendants and do they take any pride in being the uh, the progeny of one of the most famous um, poet poets of all time? He does, and some of them are actually named Clement Clark Moore, <laughs> and one of them has a Rembrandt collection because he 
loaned it to an exhibit to a museum in New York recently. That's how I found them. But uh, they are a very wealthy family indeed because they own all of Chelsea. Uh, they developed Chelsea, wow. and they had a lot of land in, on Long Island. Like they owned all of it at one point. So very very wealthy family. Right. And well, we uh, won't pass and, the hat around for them then. <laughs> no. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, this is great. Uh, Pamela, I want, I want to wish you the best of luck with the book uh, for the centennial this year, the bicentennial this year and going into next year. Thanks for sharing it with me and thanks for uh, getting up early to join us on the radio. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you very much.